today we have with us Gilles Bucquerel. He is a scholar and an expert on Indian subcontinent, its security and strategic affairs. He is an author of several books and his latest is on India. In fact, his book is called 100 Questions on India. And I think uh, that is precisely the reason for us to be talking to him today here in Paris. Welcome to Reason, the New Indians platform where we get to the reason behind the issues that concern you. Welcome, Mr. Bokere. Good morning. Good morning. So let me begin this uh, conversation with the area of specialization that you have. You have worked both in Islamabad and New Delhi for several years, and you've been focusing on Indian subcontinent security and strategic affairs. Tell us today in 2023, where do you see and how do you see the security dynamics of India vis-a-vis -vis its neighbors, Pakistan, we have China also, what is the sense of security and strategy about Indian subcontinent today? Yes, as you know, I, I would like to, to say also that um, uh, I am an historian by training. So uh, I did a PhD from Sorbonne University, but my fieldwork was at the time at Jawaharlal Nehru University. Jawaharlal Nehru University, yes. Yes. Which years were there? Oh, it was really towards the end of the 80s. That's quite a long time ago. Yes. Now. And you studied at JNU? I did my work for my PhD. I was based on JNU campus, in fact, in Brahmaputra Hostel. Mm -hmm. And uh, I spent yeah, two and a half years on, uh, working on uh, going to Nehru Memorial Library, which has been renamed recently, I heard. Do you think that it is a serious possibility that India could be facing a two-front war, both from Pakistan and China? Like China, Pakistan today, we know, have also established an axis. There is a stronger relationship between Pakistan and China uh, today as we are seeing that the world is divided between the US bloc and the Chinese bloc. Um, about this two-front war, yes, in fact, I, I do think that uh, there's not a risk in the near future, uh, but uh, now, uh, what I can notice is that uh, seen from India, the main enemy is no more Pakistan, it's China, especially after the episode of 2020, of course, in the uh, military confrontation in the Ladakh uh, sector. Uh, that would be a chance, uh, interest, um, strategic interest or threat for India is no more coming so often from Pakistan than it was in the past. Uh, now, what is uh, on the front page of uh, India's strategic uh, consideration is, of course, uh, more China than Pakistan. So do you think that when a lot of people say that there is uh, still two front, two and a half front, even three front war for India, but you believe really that it's one front and that front is China. Now, tell us in the in the scenario where India is also emerging as one of the largest economies, mm. the fifth largest economy, and China being a, a superpower, mm. giving enough competition to not just the US but the entire West, do you see, do you foresee India and Chinese relationship deteriorating 
perhaps you know we do have a standoff along the line of actual control with uh, china but do you see a breakdown of relationship between india and china just one more coming back to the india pakistan relations uh, the balances of power between the two is completely different from what it was in the past mm -hmm. uh, if you see at the economic uh, situation in pakistan which is terrible in fact and you had recently the agreement on the, with the IMF for uh, a loan from the IMF to, to, to Pakistan. Um, again, if you look at the balance of power between India and Pakistan, which is very much in favor of India, it's moving more and more in favor of India. There was a time when GDP per capita in Pakistan was higher than in India. Now it's completely the reverse. Uh, coming to relation between India and China, again, it's different, the balance of power is much in favor of China because China. in terms of GDP it's four times the <coughs> GDP of India. Uh, so that's a reason also of course because uh, to the fact that India is uh, improving its relations in, uh, with Washington uh, trying to, uh, on both sides, you know, you have, yeah. they have their own interests. Washington wants to use India as a counterweight somehow to China uh, footprint in uh, the Asian continent, even beyond that. And um, India has its own interest, of course, in uh, moving closer to, to Washington because, uh, as you have noticed during the visit of Mr. Modi to Washington, there was some uh, number of agreements on uh, defense, of course, between the two countries. So, a uh, lot of countries, even in Europe, we see on one hand there is a, there is a review of thinking in the Western Bloc that uh, China needs to be curtailed, to be contained. But at the same time, nobody has really stopped trading with China. Nobody is uh, antagonizing China. In fact, we did see a lot of friendly overtures from uh, European leaders, Olaf Scholz. We also saw Biden administration, which was initially very aggressive against China has now made a U-turn and they are reaching out to Xi Jinping in China. What is really, what do you foresee the, the impact of this friendly overtures towards China? What would be the impact on Indian subcontinent? But the fact that you, you cannot just dismiss China because in economic terms, uh, you were mentioning India, of course, India imports from China, six times more than India exports to China, uh, is not so imbalance uh, between uh, China and the USA, of course. But uh, the place of China in the international economic system is so, so large now that you cannot do without China. And it will take time to um, cut the link of parts of the links that you have between China and the Western world, of course. Uh, that's the reason why you also you have the, the Quad uh, yes. trying to, to have uh, uh, cooperation between uh, those four countries, uh, trying to be resilient somehow uh, and not so much dependent on China uh, for uh, economic considerations. Uh, of course, um, you cannot do with China, it, uh, and that's why also Mr. Biden is trying to um, make bridges with, with China somehow. Uh, now the big question, of course, is Taiwan. Yes, but even on Taiwan, now the US administration is saying that uh, 
they believe in one China policy. They do not see Taiwan as a separate independent country. Uh, in that scenario, what would be the impact on India if uh, there is so much cooperation between China and the West? Do you think it will embolden China against India or do you foresee something else? Regarding Taiwan, uh, you talk about the one China policy, which is a policy of uh, most of the countries in the world, in fact, even uh, the USA and even, of course, India, which I recognize uh, the one China policy. Um, now, what, what, what would happen is somehow in the near future, in the next five to 10 or 15 years, uh, China, that's a promise of uh, Mr. Xi Jinping, by the way, to, to reunite Taiwan with uh, mainland China. Uh, what would be the reaction of the Western world? What would be the reaction of India? I don't think that India will engage militarily with China. Do you think NATO will engage with China militarily? There is there's a big, big question marks that nobody really knows what, what could happen if tomorrow Mr. Xi Jinping wants to invade uh, Taiwan. Um, the pressure may be, may, might be more on uh, economic sanctions vis-à-vis China. Military intervention would be extremely difficult. So there um, will be economic sanctions like the sanctions imposed on Russia during the Ukraine war? Yeah, but China is so much dependent on the uh, trade business with uh, all over the world. In so fact, wouldn't that be counterproductive for the West as well to even think of economic sanctions against China because their economy no, it's, it's, of, of, of Europe and economy of the US and the entire Western world is also linked with the Chinese economy? Yes, but talking about the USA, USA has a military uh, number of military agreements with uh, Southeast Asian nations, for instance. That's the credibility of uh, Washington, which, is as, which would be at stake in case of invasion or invasion of Taiwan. Uh, the USA will have to do something. Um, and that's, what's, that's what is on the radar of, the, of Washington now. It's not so much uh, the war in Ukraine which is important, of course, because uh, uh, most Western nations are still dependent on uh, U.S. military support. Mm. And, of course, uh, first of all, Ukraine itself. Um, again, the question is what, what the USA will do um, because uh, they don't want to risk credibility vis-à-vis -vis those all these East or Japan, even talking about Japan. Uh, which is a very large country, of course, all these um, smaller Southeast Asian nations. Australia also is uh, in mm -hmm. the picture, coming into the picture. Okay. Um, so again, um, one can just hope that nothing will happen um, too oh, soon. You're talking about Taiwan, but don't you think that in the last few years it is uh, demonstrated uh, sufficiently that China has been more aggressive against India. We have had Galwan Valley crisis, we have had Duklam crisis, we have a continuing standoff and there has been no resolution so mm. far between India and China on the territorial disputes that they have. Yeah, of course, but this uh, tense relation with China has go back um, to uh, the post-independence period in a sense, as there was this rivalry 
between India and China way back in the in the 50 or who would be the leader of the third world, which was now the global south. Mm -hmm. And of course, there was this 1962 war with uh, China, which was quite a humiliating experience for, for India, I can understand that. Um, so, the relation with, between um, India and, and China has uh, always been uh, kind of competition uh, to would be represent first, uh, especially during the Maoist period even, mm -hmm. uh, which economic model would be um, taken as, uh, again, as a model for, for all the third world, at the third world countries at the time. So this um, kind of competition between Beijing and New Delhi will, uh, will go on definitely. If it yeah. increased, do you see an I don't know if it, it will, uh, no, I don't think it will increase, but uh, again, uh, it seems as it's, it look all these uh, skirmishes on the border between India and China, uh, chronologically, it happened very often when you have um, steps taken in favor of further closeness between India and uh, Washington. As India becomes closer and closer with the West, that is uh, primarily led by the US, mm. China and India relationship will become worse. Yes, definitely. Uh, it would be surprising if it's not, uh, it goes the uh, another way. Uh, you'll have the BRICS uh, meeting uh, coming very soon in August. Uh, let's see what, um, if it takes place uh, uh, visually in the sense, not through uh, Skype or through WhatsApp or whatever it is. Uh, if there's a meeting between Mr. Xi Jinping and Mr. Modi and, uh, and one wonder if Mr. Putin will come in person at the meeting in South Africa. So, suppose a BRICS meeting does happen physically, do you, see, do you foresee uh, some tension erupting between India and the US or the West? No, but again, the problem with BRICS is the imbalance between yeah. the country within the BRICS. Yeah. Uh, the leading power is China again, mm -hmm. and I don't think that India is very happy with that, uh, being uh, kind of somehow minor position vis-a-vis -vis China. I don't see BRICS going very far, in fact. You don't uh, foresee BRICS going very far? Yes. Uh, but there are a lot of uh, countries... I mean, talking about the near future, I don't know if I cannot foresee in 20 years. A lot of countries uh, are now, in fact, uh, expressing interest Absolutely. in joining mm. BRICS. We know some of the Middle East countries, some of the uh, Latin American countries are showing interest and they are hoping that BRICS actually expands and becomes uh, perhaps a bigger block against the Western bloc. But I don't know, many countries which would like to join the BRICS don't want at the same time to organize uh, the West, the Western world. Uh, you have to consider that, in fact, and the problem with BRICS and that you have China as the major power and you have a kind of imbalance that you have uh, in a limited way, of course, within SARC. SARC is not working because you have a, India is a, uh, is a major power within SARC, representing three-fourths of the SARC countries, in fact, it have economic power, military power, population, and so on and so forth. Well, you said uh, Pakistan is no longer really a threat or a front. 
for India. But we do know that even as Pakistan has weakened economically mm. and now the gap between India and Pakistan is massive. But Pakistan's foreign policy vis-a-vis -vis India hasn't changed. We continue to see cross-border terrorism. We continue to see infiltration. We also continue to see China-Pakistan partnership, especially with regards to cross-border terrorism. We know that China actually blocked uh, several moves mm. at the United Nations to designate Pakistan-based terror organizations as terror organizations and also some of the key uh, leaders of terror groups. So where, why would you say that Pakistan is not a threat? No, Pakistan has the capacity to create trouble for India. There's no doubt about that uh, through infiltrations, for instance, of course. Um, again, I was thinking it's not a threat in a major confrontation with India because in conventional, ter conventional terms, uh, militarily, India is much stronger now than, than Pakistan. Uh, India can face uh, a Pakistani threat, of course. Again, uh, that doesn't say there's no risk of a terrorist attack on uh, Indian soil. It can always happen, of course, mm -hmm. as we have seen, in, unfortunately, in the past. So I will not dismiss completely uh, Pakistan's uh, threat. I mean, but do you see this Pakistan and China axis becoming a bigger trouble for India? But again, China would not like antagonize so much India because even for China, if it's India is a market. You can sell goods to India, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the imbalance commercial trade between the country is heavily imbalanced in favor of China. Um, China, again, we were, I was talking about Pakistan able to create trouble for, for, for India. Uh, it could always be the same uh, on, the, on the border, on the common border between India and China. Uh, you can have skirmishes uh, from time to time. Uh, but I don't see it escalating in the, in the major war between the two countries. But do you think uh, Pakistan is now distancing itself from the US, uh, which was its biggest ally for, for <laughs> more than 70 years? No, there's no doubt that you know, the major ally of Pakistan is the always a friendly uh, relation with, uh, with Pakistan, of course. Uh, sorry, with, with China. Um, that's clear. Uh, again, uh, Washington cannot completely um, forget Pakistan in a sense, uh, because as uh, Pakistan, uh, there's always a risk uh, risk in, in Pakistan, and Washington, I'm sure, needs Pakistan to uh, see the overseas the situation in Afghanistan, which is across the border from Pakistan. Mm -hmm. uh, there's always a risk. Uh, spending from Afghanistan to Pakistan and otherwise in the other, other countries. So do you see Pakistan establishment and Taliban establishment in <laughs> Afghanistan getting closer or do you see them drifting away from each other? And Pakistan is also on the thread from the, from the TTP now for take Taliban Pakistan. Uh, they have even trouble in controlling the support that Kabul could give to the TTP to conduct actions across the border in, in Pakistan trouble areas. Um, but um, I, 
If you look at the 90s, it's well known that uh, Pakistan was using um, elements which were trained in, in Afghanistan to conduct operations across the border in, uh, in India. Uh, the risk uh, is always there, of course. So there is a risk of their alliance still being a major threat to India, like Taliban and uh, ISI? There is always this possibility, but the situation in Pakistan at the moment is um, so financially difficult that uh, Pakistan cannot uh, risk to open a new front. Uh, I guess Pakistan has some trouble uh, solving their uh, financial situation uh, at the moment uh, and uh, I'm sure that uh, uh, they cannot antagonize the IMF for instance and beyond, you are, beyond the IMF you have Washington. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, to open a new front and to resurrect the kind of support they were giving to infiltration in, across the border in Kashmir in the 90s, uh, it's not uh, the priority of the moment for the Pakistani establishment, it's my guess. Uh, very interestingly, Europe has uh, in the last few years been talking about Indo-Pacific security. Now, <laughs> India earlier was focused only on Indian Ocean. India is also talking about Indo-Pacific. Mm -hmm. How is France, one, why is France invested in this Indo-Pacific security? And where do you see areas of collaboration between India and Europe and uh, the US also. We know COD is, uh, is a certain framework, but it hasn't really done anything. Mm -hmm. It hasn't uh, come to any uh, outcome so far. Where are the areas of collaboration and cooperation on Indo-Pacific? And why is the security of both these oceans now seen as a joint, as a joint uh, security uh, uh, framework? One has to say, first of all, that France considers itself as a resident power of the Indo-Pacific because we have French territories in Polynesia, in New Caledonia, and we have also in the Indian Ocean, the Réunion Island. Um, in that sense, uh, France has decided, as it was in 2018 when President Macron uh, went to, to Delhi, they signed uh, Indo-French strategic vision for the Indo-Pacific to make sure that freedom of mediation uh, remain in the Indo-Pacific region. Of course, there was, uh, especially from the Indian side, uh, the Chinese footprint in, uh, in the Indian Ocean, which is a matter, a matter of uh, huge concern for India, of course, I can understand that. Uh, so France has decided, given the geographical location of, of India, that uh, uh, they could uh, rely on uh, India to develop uh, strong strategic cooperation with this all Indo-Pacific region. I would just like to recall that the first uh, maritime exercises, joint exercises between the French and Indian Navy happened way back in 83. Uh, now it's a yearly occurrence. Uh, at the same time, you also exercises since uh, the last 20 years between the, uh, the air forces of France and India and also the land forces of France and India, Shakti exercises and uh, Garuda, Garuda exercises between uh, French and Indian air forces. 
so we have developed a tight uh, joint military cooperation for the last 20 years. Uh, uh, the, the benchmark in fact was 98. As you know, we are celebrating the 25th anniversary of uh, Indo-French strategic partnership, mm -hmm. which, by the way, was the first strategic partnership signed with India with a, a foreign country. Mm -hmm. France and India relations between the two countries have never been so good. I would just recall one thing, uh, being an historian by training, that the first French president to come to India was Valéry Giscard d'Estaing, and it was in January 1980. Okay. So that's been 33 years after the independence of India. Uh, India was not much in the horizon of French uh, strategies for many decades after the Second World War, for, for some good reason, because somehow India was not part of the French heritage, colonial heritage, I mean. Mm -hmm. Apart well, from this small establishment, well, we had the French yes, colony in Pondicherry. You had five French establishments: Caracal, yes. Pondicherry, Mahay, Yano, and Chandranagar, mm -hmm. of course. But that was very small, limited area, and uh, there, were, there was also the impression that uh, France, uh, sorry, India was uh, part of the Anglo-Saxon world, and also, of course, during the Cold War, uh, France was part of the Western uh, Alliance and uh, India was non-aligned and slowly moving closer to the Soviet Union at the time. So there was this distance between, for all these reasons, between France and India. And again, what make, uh, made a good difference that was this, uh, again, 1998 uh, strategic cooperation, which was followed by the nuclear test of India in May uh, yeah. 98, and the response of France was quite mild compared to other Western countries which strongly uh, yeah. condemn the mm -hmm. test uh, by India for our own good reason, uh, because of uh, our nuclear policy, independent nuclear policy. Yeah, in fact, uh, in France is perhaps one of the few countries who's been supporting India's uh, bid for a permanent seat at the, at the UNSC. So, that is uh, also that also demonstrates the the strength of the relationship mm -hmm. and uh, in fact i uh, let me now come back to uh, to your experience of india and also you've seen india since the 80s mm -hmm. if i'm uh, if i'm not wrong yeah from 80s till 2023 mm -hmm. you've been an avid observer and a scholar on India. What is your sense? What has changed in India in the last 40 years? It's uh, somehow, it's uh, a different country, I would say. I'm uh, quite um, surprised by the development of India now for the last, especially for the last 10 to 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, moving fast, it's developing very fast now. So it's a reason also why there's so much attraction for India now in this in, the, in France and not just in France, there are so much countries who are in India uh, for so for um, basic economic relation because India become a market now you cannot ignore of course. Uh, what I see, uh, having lived in India since you mentioned the uh, end of the 80s, uh, India has a uh, daily, so we had changed quite, quite a lot. 
um, spending very um, largely towards a all this mm, suburb of, of, of Delhi, Gogram and, and so on and so forth. Noida, for instance. Uh, I remember a time when, um, uh, when I, I, my first um, visit to India was was in E.T. and I was staying with some Indian friends, I would say. It was in Greater College, part one, and it was close to Nehru Place and at the time, Nehru Place was the southern limit of New Delhi. Uh, the idea was beyond that, it's, it was a jungle, it was called yes. a jungle. Yes. So now it's not yeah. really a jungle anymore. Since you've seen different prime ministers, you've seen different governments in Delhi, uh, we, I think uh, the significant turning point for India was when India opened up uh, economically, economic liberalization, mm. made a major shift in India's foreign policy as well as economic policy and do you see do you see any change between let's say the current government's foreign policy and economic policy and the preceding governments in fact we're talking about foreign policy as you know it's the same for almost every country uh, there's no uh, turn abrupt turn i would say uh, there is a sense of continuity in terms of policy. It's valid for any country, most, more or less. Uh, the turn, as you mentioned, was 91, uh, the end of the Cold War, and uh, when non-alignment as such was not making sense because it was defined in relation with the Cold War confrontation between the East and the West, between Soviet Union and the Western world. Uh, now, there is a sense of continuity from the 90s. Of course, the situation in India was difficult economically in, in the 90s. Uh, but if, if you look at um, what happened for the last 20 to 25 years, uh, there is again a sense of continuity from the policy which was followed from... Uh, I remember the turn somehow for the relation with the USA was visit of Clinton to in March 2000 yeah. uh, in New Delhi. So I would say that um, the big change, of course, is the relation between India and, and, and Washington, of course. Okay. That's a major change uh, for India because there was this kind of closeness during the Cold War with uh, the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. But one major aspect of the relation between India and the USA, and USA I would mention, would like to mention, is the importance of Indian diaspora in the US. Okay. As you may know, yes, you have... Uh, CEO of Google, of, yes. um, of so many, Microsoft too, mm -hmm. uh, the new... Um, we even had uh, Parag Agarwal uh, heading Twitter at one point. We had yeah, you have Ajay, Bang Ajay Banga, yes. who is heading the yeah, World Bank, yeah. so, so many yeah. of them. Sundar yeah. uh, so many of them, so that's make a difference because you always have a, a link in terms of family connection, of going to the USA mm -hmm. to conduct your higher studies, higher education. Uh, so one should uh, keep in mind the importance of Indian diaspora, which is a well-off mm -hmm. diaspora mm -hmm. in, in the USA, and how it matters in the relation between uh, New Delhi and Washington uh, nowadays. Where do you see France and India going together as strategic partners in the future?
No, again, uh, France um, always had uh, independent foreign policy. Uh, as it, uh, President Mitterrand used to say that France is an ally of the, of the USA, but not aligned with the USA. We try to maintain an independent foreign policy, of course, in that sense that uh, it's the same for India, of course. Yeah. Mention of autonomy, we have to maintain. I mean, India has to maintain its autonomy strategy. Uh, so it's always, uh, almost the same in France. And France has considered for the last 20 to 25 years that um, India is an emerging, emerging power, emerging power, sorry. And um, the one you can rely on uh, to conduct uh, worldwide policy. Um, and uh, France, as I mentioned correctly, of course, that's always, France has always uh, supported the possibility of uh, the necessity, in fact, of India becoming a permanent member of the Security Council of the United Nations. And do you see Emmanuel Macron, President Macron, and Prime Minister Narendra Modi uh, sharing the same kind of rapport that Prime Minister Modi shared with mm. François Hollande? Or is it evolving into a much stronger relationship now? I think the relation between uh, President Macron and Prime Minister Modi is better than it was uh, before. before. In fact, it's, uh, it seems that, uh, as from what you can read in the press, that they are in a uh, changing uh, test on, uh, on uh, WhatsApp or anywhere else, I don't know. But uh, the relation in between the two, two men are quite close. And what could be the reason for that? Is it only foreign policy or is it something bigger than that? I'm not in a secret of the relation between Mr. Modi and President Macron uh, at the personal level. Mm -hmm. um, so that I cannot say about that. that. But uh, again, France has bet on its relation of India as an um, important, very important aspect of this overall foreign policy of um, France. Is it because India has a massive market or um, is there like a <laughs> review of thinking that maybe uh, the, the supply chains need to move away from China and India could be an alternative? India could be an alternative, of course. We don't have the same kind of interest as some US company as Apple, of course, could have in trying to repatriate these uh, factories from China to India. Uh, but again, there is many strategic convergences between uh, India and France. Mm -hmm. uh, you have, of course, uh, to be more prosaic, you have uh, economic interest because India is a huge market now. Again, uh, 6.5 uh, economic growth this year, it seems. Um, there's a policy on making a business with India on a commercial term, on investment in India. Uh, I guess now you have um, six to 700 uh, French companies having uh, subsidiaries in, uh, on Indian soil. Uh, that, uh, that matter again, and uh, France has uh, one thing which was quite interesting, I noticed that for a long time uh, regarding the Reunion Island, mm -hmm. uh, 
uh, French territory in the Indian Ocean. For a long time, India was considering uh, Reunion Island as a leftover of the French colonial empire. It seems that now some uh, ships of the Indian Navy can even dock yeah. in, in the Reunion Island. Uh, that's uh, quite, a, quite a change from the perception that France can have with of India, as I was mentioning before, mm -hmm. and uh, kind of perception India has of France now. Thank you.